Hello to everyone out there listening in the world today. I'm Sam Diebler, and welcome to the One Man Break Podcast. Yes, you heard that right. The One Man Break Podcast. The name change is official. It is official today as this is coming out, which is going to be Tuesday. Um, so, uh, you know, welcome to the One Man Break Podcast. I hope most of my old listeners have found this. I'm sure they have. Um, but you know, with all that out of the way, thank you guys so much for supporting me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let's jump right into it. And man, that did not go as planned (laughs) to say the least. Ah, man, look, you win some, you lose some, um, chiefs hadn't had game like this in three years, two, three years just happens, you know, um, happened at a bad time. Yep. Uh, congratulations to the goat Tom Brady. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the undisputed GOAT, and probably will be that way forever. Um, Just unbelievable, 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 unbelievable uh, game from him. Unbelievable game from the Buccaneers defense and that coaching staff should be getting all the praise in the world, and I'm sure they are. I'm recording this as the final minutes are are going away in the game, so the game's over, but... um, unbelievable job I mean I watch it's painful to watch as a Chiefs fan you know but you know they won last year and it's really tough to repeat and they ran into a team that while they beat in the regular season I think they beat them in the regular season because the Buccaneers really hadn't figured them out yet hadn't figured their own Buccaneers hadn't figured themselves out yet and um, they match up incredibly well with the Chiefs. They have two extremely fast, athletic, smart linebackers that can cover the middle of the field, and they were able to double-team Tyree Kill. And the rest of the Chiefs' offense didn't really give him any kind of anything, really. Um, and, you know, I was kept expecting. I was like, where's this run coming from? Where's this run going to come from from Mahomes? And it just didn't happen. And we can make all the excuses in the world about the offensive line and him having a bad toe. And look, they got beat. Mahomes didn't play well enough. The Chiefs receivers didn't play well enough. The offensive line clearly didn't play well enough. And the coaching staff didn't have a good enough game plan. It didn't really feel like they adjusted that much. Um, the Chiefs defense played well early, uh, but then they didn't bend and break. They just broke. After that goal line stand, it was just over. And look, I mean, penalties was a huge factor in the first half, and some of them were questionable. But again, you can't use that as an excuse. You just can't. Um, the good news for the Chiefs, they're going to be able to run it back. Like, you know, like not the not the run it back this year, but they're going to be able to get most of the key guys back next year and make a decent run at it again. And that's all you can really hope for. And look, they made it to the Super Bowl. Some most teams would kill to get to this point. And there's going to be a bunch of you know stuff written about how that this is the end of the Chiefs and the Chiefs blew an opportunity. And you know. Maybe it could be, but I really don't see this team going anywhere. I really don't see Mahomes getting anything but better. Um, and look, they won a lot of close games. They won a game, a few games they probably shouldn't have won. Maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were. And this bucket, they ran into a buzzsaw. Let's be real here. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. It's just, it is what it is at this point. It happens. Like, it just does. And that's sports. And isn't sports cool? Like, man. Isn't sports just neat? Like, I'm watching the game. I'm upset. I know I don't want him to lose, obviously. But as a football fan, you're sitting there and you're like, no one thought this was going to happen. There was never, like, yeah, people were like, the experts were like, oh, yeah, you know, his offensive line is going to may cause him issues. And a few people thought that it might cost him the game. But, but like, it wasn't just that. It was everything else, too. Isn't sports cool? You just don't know. 
Isn't that wild? Isn't it wild that Mahomes, who had never lost by more than one score his entire career, does so in the Super Bowl? Isn't that crazy? Dang. It just happens. It just happens sometimes. And absolute so much credit to the Buccaneers. So much credit to that, that coaching staff. And Brady deserves all the praise he's going to get. But the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Um, they could get back next year. They're going to hang around. As long as Mahomes and Andy Reid are together, they're going to have a good chance. And as an organization, what more can you ask for? But this, this, this day and this next couple weeks, this belongs to the Buccaneers, and rightfully so. Um, I give full credit to them, and I was wrong. I was wrong about this game. I'll, I always say I'll admit when I'm wrong, and I will. I was wrong. It happens. But isn't it cool in sports, though, that you can be so wrong that, like, it's hard to predict. Like, you can be like, it's like sometimes predictions are right, and a lot of times, like, with, like, you know, but especially in the playoffs and especially in, like, football, it's just, like, it's just so random. It's something that I really appreciate about sports. Some, one of the reasons I really love it, it's just that stuff happens that just doesn't, you don't think is going to happen. I actually really enjoy that. I don't know. There's almost a certain from I would have loved obviously the Chiefs had won this year, but like as an as, if I was a, not a fan of either teams, I was just watching. There's almost something good about being what, the team winning that you didn't expect to win. And obviously Brady has won like seven, eight of these now, but it's like it still doesn't feel like he's the dominant. It just feels like I mean like he's 43, you know, playing in a city he's never played in before. It's a good story. Good, just, I don't know. Sports are cool. <laughs> um, but as we move forward and as we get out of football season, this is going to be a pretty exclusively basketball podcast. And, you know, I'm sure if some of you like that. Some of you may not. Um, so, again, share this with anyone you think might like that. We get into spring training, too. Might talk some baseball as well. Uh, hopefully the Royals can have a good season. But, um, yeah, man, just... It's just, you know, sports are cool. <laughs> like, so I said my piece on the Super Bowl. You guys probably have been inundated with that for the last couple days now. Um, I'm going to move on to the topic of today's podcast, the MVP race in the NBA, which, you know, I think I have a pretty unique perspective on um, in that I genuinely, right now, I think LeBron's at the top. Not just of mine, but I think in general, I think most media members would vote him MVP. I think that that will not be the case by the end of the year because LeBron, I think, is just cursed to stay with four MVPs for the entirety of his career. Um, but it's so fascinating. So let's just, I just want to break down the top four MVP candidates in my measure. And obviously, a few players have some arguments to that. But I just think for the top four, I think it's LeBron. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Kevin Durant. And in that order. Uh, I just think right now, just of how those four have played, they have been the four best players in the NBA. Um, maybe LeBron's numbers aren't where he usually is, but it's like the guy is messing around and he's dropping 
25, 5, and 5, or 25, 7, and 7 at least every night, shooting 40% from three on seven attempts a game, which is not, which is a facet of his game that really hasn't been around in terms of how like consistent it is. We always knew he could shoot. We always knew he had great range, but it's like now it's like, holy crap, this guy is like an actual legitimate floor spacer. It's not just, you know, LeBron, holy crap, give him space. It's like now you got to play up on him. And then, of course, he's going to be able to drive in his post game. And he's needed that as he's lost a step a little bit. But his passing is still there. His rebounding still there. His defense has actually been sneaky underrated this year. Just all around LeBron James. Not to mention he's been clutch. He's hit a few big shots in games. Um, and that team has kind of underperformed to where we thought they would be. Anthony Davis has not played well. Anthony Davis has looked kind of out of it, and he hasn't really looked like the Anthony Davis we all know and love and that think he's probably top five player in the NBA. He hasn't played like it. So LeBron's the best player on that team in a loaded West. It's remarkable. I mean, it's remarkable. It still is, and and more power to him, and all that good stuff, and like, I mean, there's nothing more I can say about LeBron that people don't already know, I'm a LeBron fan, I know, like, I know that's kind of an eye roll for some people, but look, the guy, I think, is a class act, not to mention he's a leader on the court, leader off the court, he plays well, he's in his 18th season, the narrative's there, I think he's the favorite right now. Now, moving on to the more, uh, not even more interesting, but the more, I think, fleshed out guys, um, Let's talk about Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. I assume many many of you, it's one of your favorite players to watch in the NBA. The guy doesn't make sense. The dude's almost seven feet tall. He handles the ball like a guard. He's probably one of the slowest people in the league. He can't jump. He has a weird jump shot. And he's kind of just awkward. But it, But it works. It works. And... He's playing the best basketball of his career. He's in the best shape of his life. He's one of the best passers, period, in the NBA. But it's not just the passing. You almost can't leave him one-on-one anymore. You almost have to double-team because this guy is just carving up defenses, and it and it's, it's awe-inspiring to watch. He's... He's a gifted, gifted scorer, a gifted offensive player, and the dude is probably... I think at the end of the year, he's going to be the MVP. Nikola Jokic right now. There's no one in the NBA that can do what he's doing. And he's putting up a 20-10-10 pretty much on great percentages. His defense is better. The Nuggets are starting to do better. I think they're going to go on a hot streak, and I think Nikola Jokic is going to get some MVP consideration because the guy, it's just ridiculous. Who? How do you guard him? You put a big guy on him, he can step outside and knock down a jumper. And probably take him off the dribble as well. Put a smaller guy on him. He's just going to bully ball his way to the basket, force a double team, and kick it out, or finish over the top. He's the best offensive center in the NBA, and I would argue probably one of, if not the best offensive players, period. Now everyone talks about the defense, but it's always been overblown. His defense has never been as bad as everyone says. Yes, he's not exactly a rim protector. Yes, he can get caught in a pick and roll every now and then. But there's it's very rare you find a great pick and roll defensive center anymore, unless they're like 6'8 and mobile. It just doesn't happen. So if he can just drop back in the pick and roll 
and defend, not to mend, and like, you know, defend the paint. He's a good post defender. He's a good defensive rebounder. That, he's an average defender with an absolutely unreal offensive game. There's So, obviously, this guy is a net positive. If James Harden can win an MVP, Nikola Jokic can win an MVP. And he's got the narrative as well. He had the huge playoff uh, run with the Nuggets in the bubble, and now he's carrying it over to this season. He's in shape. He looks focused. And the rest of the league is paying for it because it's he's outstanding. He is outstanding as a player. And it, depending on where the Nuggets finish, like I said, I think he they're the favorite. I think he's the favorite for the MVP for me at the end of the year. Right now, if the league if the series of Lee ended right now, I think LeBron. As the uh, games go on, I think it's Jokic. Now I'm going to talk about these uh Joel Embiid who I think is getting a lot of hype right now for an MVP um rightfully so the dude is balling out and the Sixers are playing extremely well and he's playing like a seven foot Kobe Bryant almost like the way he plays and and some of you may not think that's a good thing they make too many jump shots but the guy he's in the post but also, he's taken a lot of off-the-dribble mid-range jump shots, and it's working. And it makes sense. If you, got, if you have a big guy that can do that, the defense isn't really going to know what to do with that. His mentality is different. And that's the big thing with Joel Embiid. He's always had the talent. He's always had the flair. He's always had you know the numbers and all that stuff. But the mentality is there. And I think a lot of that's with Doc Rivers. If you go back to uh, some of my old podcasts... Um, you'll notice that I talked about how I think Doc Rivers is really, really going to make a difference with Joel Embiid, and he has. And Joel Embiid beat 23-13 with really good defense. There's nothing to sneeze at. But I just think with Joel Embiid, my question is and always will be, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? And if he can, there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to get to where he's at. And I think that's basically where I'm at with him. Um, it's just he can't stay healthy, and he's missed games this year, and he keeps missing back back to backs. And it's like, dude, you want to be the MVP? You got to play. You got to play these games. And he's just not sometimes. And he's just—it's ridiculous. Though when he does play, there was the game against Miami where, granted, they didn't have a good front line going. They didn't have Bam or anyone else, but. He still just completely took it to anyone the he even could remotely have, and he won them that game. Um, and that's what MVP ca- uh, candidates do. That's what MVP caliber players do. They go out there and they win you games. And Joel Embiid, for all of his faults, for all of his antics, for all of the lack of health concern, we are seeing the production. We are seeing the potential being met here. The guy is unstoppable when he's playing, just like we knew he always could be if he wanted to be. And that was the one question coming into the year. We always know health is going to be an issue. But when it's when he's on the floor, is he playing with that mentality? Is he playing with the mentality of that I am the best player on this court, no one can stop me, get out of my way. If he can play with that mentality, then shoot like 
if he plays that mentality and plays all the games, there's no question he's the MVP. I just don't think he's going to play enough, and I think the Sixers are going to start to fall off here. That fit with Ben Simmons has always been rickety. I've always been in the camp that if it continues to not work, you trade Ben Simmons. They should have traded him earlier, I think. You trade him while his value is high. His value is not that high now. I think a good trade for them would be to trade... Uh, Excuse me, you trade Ben Simmons to Portland, get CJ McCollum back. Now you have a perimeter style scoring option and you have Joel Embiid inside. I think their offense would be top in the league and I think they'd probably make the finals, in my personal opinion, if they make that trade. Hot take, I know, but I just don't like. I think everything in the, in the NBA, more so than almost every other league, is fit. How do your best pieces fit together, especially your stars? And Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons do not fit. Ben Simmons doesn't play like a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's a power forward, basically, in the half court, which is where Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is at his best, is in the half court. So if you have your best player, which is Joel Embiid, in the half court, and he's best in the half court, and your other best player is at his worst in the half court, that doesn't work. Joel Embiid needs to be in a system where he has four shooters around him at all times. That way, if you try to double-team him, it's, it's wide-open threes. That's not, that's not the case with him. Now you can double-team him from Ben Simmons. who like you, I, I don't care if Ben Simmons shoots anything but a dunk. Let him shoot a mid-range jumper. Let him shoot a three. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care if Ben Simmons shoots the ball. So I think you get C.J. McCollum. I think you go small around Embiid, and I think you rain threes and dump it to him inside. I think that's the winning formula. I don't think they can win the title this way. I don't think they're the best team in the East this way. I think any team, any bet good, like the top teams in the East can beat them in a seven-game series. I think the Celtics can beat them in a seven-game series. I think the Bucks can beat them in a seven-game series. And I think the Nets can beat them in the seven-game series. I just don't think... The, the way they're currently constructed in a seven-game series, they cannot beat a, good, a great team. Nothing to take, not to take anything away from Joel Embiid. I just don't think that team can do anything of, of substance. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, no, I'm moving kind of fast here. I'm just kind of trying to rattle some stuff off. I didn't prepare as well for this podcast as I should have. But um, next, next candidate, like I mentioned, Kevin Durant. Um, I think if the NBA had a comeback player of the year like the NFL, I think Kevin Durant would easily win that. Um, the dude looks like his pre-injury self and almost better. He, especially, especially on offense. Defense, that's not, not so much. But offensively, he's Kevin Durant. The shooting, the ball handling, he's unguardable. He's the same Kevin Durant we always thought. And I think he's finally starting to dispel the narrative that the Achilles injury is a career, if not a career ender, it's a career altering injury because he looks the same. He looks fresh and the guy is bawling out. Again, here's the one thing is very similar to Joel Embiid. One, he's not, is he going to play enough games to really be considered like this? Two, is his team going to be as good? And three, will he lose votes to Harden and Irving, and is he is he gonna win MVP if he's part of that talented of a trio? It's a good question, I think. Um, but for right now, I think if it was just KD and Kyrie, or if it was just KD and James Harden, I think KD is probably the favorite right now. But it's not. 
And he, he's gone in COVID protocol a few times. And look, you can say what you want about the lack of transparency. You can say a lot about how the league is really handling this. And obviously they had that weird fiasco where he was in the game and then he was out of the game and he wasn't in the game. But I don't know. I think he right now is one of the best players in the NBA. I think he might be the second best player in the NBA. Now remember, MVP rankings are different than best player rankings. If the best player, if the MVP went to the best player every year, LeBron would win it every single year. Okay? So I think right now he's second behind LeBron in terms of how dominant the dude is on the court. Now the one thing I will say about him that I don't think enough people are talking about, his defense is not where it should be. His defense doesn't look very good. His defense is lacking. And on a team that desperately needs defense in the Brooklyn Nets, he's not performing the way you would think an MVP would do. I think if he was... And of course, the Achilles might have something to do with that. He might have lost some lateral mobility. But if he wants to regain that that foothold at the top of the MVP race, which I think he had earlier in the year, I think he needs, he needs, he needs, he needs to get better on defense. He also needs to stay on the court. But I think when he's on the court, I think he needs to put some renewed effort in defensively. Because he needs to understand that he does not need to score 30 for that team to win. Um, all three of those guys can get 30 any given night. He doesn't need to score. He should re- All three of them should focus on defense. They should set the tone on defense, and that team, I think, would go further. I think they need to make a move, if they even can, to get some better defenders on that team. They're trying to. Amon Schumper, I don't really know how much he can give you, but I think they're making effort to do that. Um, but... Those three guys, as the leaders, as the cornerstones of that team, need to step forward and set the tone defensively. Similar to how LeBron and AD did it last year for the Lakers. LeBron, everyone had been saying that he had been slipping on defense, and he had been. So he renewed his effort last year, he tried harder, and he locked in more, and he set the tone. Defense is all about setting the tone. Because people are right when they say that defense actually isn't that hard technically. It's about the effort. And it's about setting the tone. If I'm the ninth man for the Nets and I see KD, Kyrie, and James Harden really bringing it defensively, if it might just take a few possessions. It might take one game. It might take a dive on the floor for a loose ball by some of the greatest scorers the game has ever seen. But all of a sudden I see, if I'm the ninth man, I see them doing that. I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, okay, I'm going to jump on the floor too. I'm going to go out there, set the tone. I'm going to stay in front of my man. I'm going to close out as hard as I can. You need to set the tone, especially if you're Kevin Durant, the undisputed best player on that team. Set the tone defensively. I think if you do that, I think Durant's going to come back and play really well. And maybe even steal the MVP award. Some other guys that probably are going to you know, get some MVP consideration, uh, Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers, Kawhi especially, um, has been tremendous, and I think he's really improved his playmaking, which no one really saw coming. Um, I think guys like uh, Giannis, obviously he's a two-time defending winner. He's always going to get consideration. His numbers are crazy. That's probably going to you know, be there for him. Uh, as far as everyone else, I mean, AD maybe could make a late season run if he really starts putting it together now. 
Um, Dame Lillard, he's always going to be there as some guy that's going to make this crazy run where he's going to drop 40 points in like five straight games. Luka's a possibility if the Mavericks turn it around. I don't see them turning it around. I just think they're just too poorly built. They don't have any creation outside of Luka at all, which is a huge, huge issue. Um, but overall, as a whole, I think this NBA year is really shaping up. I know we've I've kind of neglected it a little bit, um, like really going in depth on it for a little bit now. But we're going to really start hitting hard on the NBA um, from this podcast on. So that's very, very exciting. Um, so, you know, let's get there. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff we can talk about, like as far as... Um, the standings and where the teams are at right now. I think right now I would still say the Lakers are the best team in the West, even though maybe they've lost some games they shouldn't have lost and they haven't performed as well in games they should have been at their best at. But their best is so significantly better, I think, than every other team in the West best that it's not going to be close. And I think they're going to be the Western Conference champions, barring injury and some unforeseen circumstances. Excuse me. But um, yeah, uh, as far as the East goes, I think the East is such a crapshoot, especially at the top. Any one of those four teams I've mentioned, I could see making it to the finals. Um, the Nets, obviously, are probably going to be most people's pick because they just have so much talent. Um, but, you know, I still think I'll stand by my statement what I said last podcast or a few podcasts ago. I don't think this team is going to be deep enough and good enough defensively to last in the playoffs. They just aren't constructed in a way I think is conducive to winning basketball in the playoffs. I think they have some cold-blooded assassins on that team. I think their starting lineup's really good and fits together pretty well, especially on offense, but it's defense and it's depth. And if they can't play well defensively and they don't get any other depth behind KD, Harden, and Kyrie, I don't really see this going anywhere. I think they'll probably make the conference finals, but I think they'll lose to whoever gets there. Right now, if I you had to twist my arm, I would say ooh, I would say probably the Celtics. Um when they get everyone back and healthy, we'll go on a pretty good run here and it'll be the Celtics Lakers finals. Um but who knows? I mean, I don't know. Uh but you know, the NBA season's been really interesting. I think, let me just real quick tangent on the rookies real quick. Real quick, excuse me. There was a lot of uh, not great stuff said about this draft class, which is warranted. This draft class hasn't been very good. Uh, no, excuse me. Um, draft class has been very good. The criticism was unwarranted. Um, and that criticism was that this draft class wasn't very good. And this draft class has had so many, maybe there hasn't been like one transcendent star. I think LaMelo Ball is starting to look like that like as far as like the, the clear-cut number one rookie of the year, but there's so many guys that are clearly going to be quality rotation pieces for years, if not starters and all-stars. You got Tyrese Halliburton. Who would have saw that coming with Sacramento? You got LaMelo Ball, obviously, playing really well, finally starting for the Hornets. James Wiseman has shown flashes of three-point shooting, not to mention his dominance inside as shot-blocking and dunking and rebounding. That's huge for the Warriors, and he's going to be on a decent team with the Warriors. Um, Steph is another... Dark Horse MVP candidate if they reel off some wins here. Um, Anthony Edwards has shown flash and pop as that as that scorer guy we knew he could be. Um, Patrick Williams has had some really nice moments for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I mean, if I'm missing a few, I'm sorry, but it's like there's so many rookies that are like quality rotation minutes on really good teams. 
um, and just guys that are playing well. I think that's underrated, and I think that's really nice to see. I think the NBA needs a lot of good role players, and there's a lot of good role players, bare minimum, in this draft, and some of them could be even better than that. So I'm just saying I really like it when rookies work out. I really like it when rookies play well. It's just something really satisfying to see guys you're high on play well. Like LaMelo Ball dropping, dropped 34 points the other night, career high in his third career start. Looks great. Um, the instincts is so apparent, and his defense has actually been a lot better than what people would have thought. So that, I think that's, a cool, that's my little rookie tangent. Probably going to be updating that as the year goes on. Um, I think this podcast might take a little shift into more of a more of like as weeks go on, we review the past week of the NBA storylines, predictions, all that good stuff. I think that's probably where this podcast is going to head. Um, if you know, if you guys don't, if you guys want to see, keep me talking about general topics and like uh, past stuff and defending the indefensible and all that good stuff, um, just let me know. But as far as where I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go through that direction. Unless any one of you guys reach out and say you want some something else um so if you guys are okay with that just let me know um make sure to follow me on twitter that's really the best place to get to me if you really want to like message me and and get to my get my attention there's not really a shit like uh comments on a lot of these platforms that we're releasing the podcast on um so if you guys ever want to like give me your comments give me your criticisms give me any of that um just dm me on twitter my uh like i've said every time my username is at sam deebler uh s-a-m-d-e-a-b-l-e-r all lowercase all one word um, I've, you know, I appreciate you got your guys' support through the name change. Um, it's, you know, that's a tough thing to do in the middle of a podcast run, but it's, we, I just figured I had to do it. Did my name didn't really make sense for the comp for like who I was and what I was doing. And so we're changing. It's a pretty simple name change, but it could throw a few of you off. Viewership might go down a little bit, but I think this was for the best. Um, so yeah, we are the one man break now. I am the one man break now. That is this podcast name and it will be for the foreseeable future. Um, so settle in and get ready for that. So, uh, but again, guys, uh, my name is Sam Diebler. This has been the one man break podcast for all of us at Excalibur studios and the one man break podcast. Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. Um, tough for the chiefs, but, uh, I'm sure they'll be back next year. Um, you know, feel free to send your condolences my way. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much for listening and, uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks.